Conversations with your host Rebecca Mears and my co-host Luca Halex. As we dive in today, um, I would like to begin with acknowledging that we are living and working on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Coquitlam. We are honored today to have joining us as our guest James Taylor and. He has joined us before, uh, some years in the past, wasn't it, James? How many, do you know how many years it was? Two, three. Two or three? I think it's been, yeah, it's been a while. We, we tried to have you come on again a little bit more recently. Didn't quite coordinate. Yeah, it was just, it's, it's, it's yeah, we've tried. It, we it'll tried. happen. But you know what? There's a, there's a bit of liberation now that we're forced to use Zoom instead of being up on campus um, out of SFU because of right. COVID. So even though you're not physically with us, we get to just connect spiritually <laughs> and through Zoom. And through Zoom. Through Zoom. The Zoomality. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And we can see you. <laughs> James, I'm, I'm really grateful that you are contributing your time and your energy today for this space mm. that, that we've got for this show. For the listeners, um, when you were on before, you did speak your truth and your experience at that time, which included um, the information about residential schools, the consequences to Indigenous peoples in this country, and your attempts to bring attention to what was already known, but was mm. not really being acted on. And yeah, it was a truth part of the reconciliation thing, I think. You know, that, you want to have reconciliation, you got to you gotta get by that truth part. And there was a lot of videos when I was walking across the country where for some unknown reason weren't posted after I posted them up on my walk wall. Um, and that was more talking about the numbers and the people that I was coming in contact with within community, as you know, and um, it didn't, they didn't get posted and still I can't find them anymore. They're not on there for some unknown reason. Um, but now the truth is out. You, they can't, they can't hide yeah. the truth. In you know, like um, when you have a nation like um, the, like China calling out Canada for their human rights violations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's saying something. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's past time. So it's uh, it, for context for any of our listeners who may not be in Canada but who might be listening to this show. Um, we have been uh, well. We when I say we, I'm going to say settler Canada has been rocked by the discoveries of uh, so many we are now over a thousand uh, bodies 1323 yes 1323 as of today that are that are now recorded through this new uh deliberate search that has finally begun for the children who were known by their communities to have been lost when they were sent to residential schools but that canada chose to forget and and not acknowledge and um it, it's it's yes 
James, you mentioned to me before we came to record that you've mm. today you've been you've been in conversation with media most of the day or mm. not just media in, in counseling as well. Not that you're giving all of their time to media, but yeah, no, I didn't. I, you know, there was a, a couple interviews. I definitely, you know, the vast majority of my day has been talking with um, two two elders um, here on, on the coast. Um, just to help them deal with their survivor guilt. That seems like it's a really big thing, you know, Um, and I am. Yeah. And I'm trying to uh, keep them empowered, let them know that, you know, like they, they went through that and they survived that for a reason. And those, those teachings and those, those. Yeah. And the families that they brought forward into this world were what, were why they survived. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's also this concept that we haven't explored very much in the world in general, which is the uh, secondhand uh, trauma, which which is um, not and I'm and I'm taking it even further out than the immediate family of all the children who disappeared. But but when you're doing the work that you're doing right now, where you're supporting people who were and are still traumatized by what happened, there's there's a certain amount of trauma in that also, um, and uh, and and we can feel it right here in the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, intergenerational trauma has affected. A lot of our people, um, <clears throat> that was the goal of, of, of the residential school, was, was what's happening right now. What they weren't anticipating were that we were going to be strong enough to, to get through this. And I know that we are. You know, I, I really um, remind those ones that I talk to. And uh, when I put the words out there, do not just look at our, in, our intergenerational resilience, our, our, our trauma, but our intergenerational resilience as well. And that intergenerational tra- our, our, our strength that we have within our in their bodies yeah. to um, fight through this trauma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a collective, like we, it's already bad enough. We were all in trauma response because of the pandemic. And now that, you know, <laughs> now the government can't run and hide because here's, here's what we heard. You know, I was cultural support here on the West coast for the truth and reconciliation commission. Sort of thousands of stories, been into, you know, hundreds of communities seen tens of thousands. I brushed and smudged and heard yeah. tens of thousands of stories. And there's bodies they won't find. Like there's so many bodies that were um, fathered, so many babies that were fathered by those priests and those other um, people that were, you know, the kids had to throw them in furnaces. Like, like I can't even, I can't even, you know, you wonder why the man downtown is staggering and drunk all the time, trying to hide, trying to get rid of these memories, these things that they witnessed. Cause those ones that were there all seen something. There's something that's in there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. What what does this, because this is truth that you have known, you personally have known, your community has known and has been trying to speak for so long to be heard. You have been speaking to be heard, to be believed, to be acted upon. What does this moment, the finding of the bodies, what does it mean to you? That's a hard one. Because, you know, in 2014, like I, I, I walked across, you, you, you let me sleep in your house. I walked, <laughs> you know, I walked um, 
from Victoria to Ottawa for this reason. And what people didn't realize or people I didn't tell was I felt like a failure at the end. I felt like even though I did all these kilometers and people got all this good stuff, I felt I didn't get them. They didn't like, you know, sure, you know, there was the the spiritual part of that and were those little ones that followed me to those communities. But every day I still put the back and I just find the babies, find the babies, find the babies, bring them home, bring them home, bring them home. So I'm happy that they're finding them. And I'm sad and I'm angry yeah. and I'm confused. And I still have an open ear to be strong to listen to my elders that actually survived those atrocities. Right. And this isn't, you know, I love how today, after the first time in all these years, to hear the media, like there's CBC say, oh, you know what? This really only did happen as early as 1996, 25 years ago. 25 years ago I was working for the Bank of Montreal and my taxes were going to fund these places that were killing those babies Uh, yeah yeah and these are open wounds these this is not something that's old and scarred over this is this is open wounds yeah they were they were wounds that were definitely scarred over but have definitely been um reopened um for sure you know because as i said we heard the we heard the stories we heard the people um talk about about those um those bodies and those babies and um but it'll heal over again i think a lot of us that have our our cultural ways and those that can be a a shoulder to the ones that are going through or an ear you know, like when, when the aunties and the uncles are talking, like I've been, I, I, this is what I do for a living. I, you know, I listen, I listen, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a knowledge people, people have, um, uh, yeah, I listen. My grandpa asked me to listen when I was struck by lightning that second time. He had told me when I was in that spirit world, he says, you have to listen when we come, you have to listen, you have to listen, you have to listen. So that's, that's what I do, you know? I just uh, I did a fast on on the twenty first on uh, the twenty first of, of just on Monday, and I fasted for twenty four hours. I started on twenty first at five a.m. to um, honor those two fifteen, and then to have within forty eight hours another eight hundred kids found. It's um our ceremonies, our our ways of life, whether you're from the west coast, you know, Coast Salish, Kwakwakula, Michalmath, um, Sinchathan, or if you're um, anywhere, Anishinaabe, uh, Cree, Dene, we all went through it, and we all have our ways, our cultural ways to be able to deal with it and help each other. James, is there a, a, a reawakening and a reconnecting to those cultural values that with, oh, this with a big... strong need for this at the moment? Um, for our people, we knew that things were going to change after the eagle touched the moon. So there's been an awakening since that moment, um, July 1969. It's coming up here real soon, the anniversary. Um, our prophecies, our stories talked about how, um, talked about a lot of things, you know, being a knowledge keeper from back home, those old stories that were told to me by my aunties and my uncles, my grandmas and grandpas, um, 
they talked about that time that would be in the way that you know everyone lost with addiction, lost because of, of they wouldn't say the residential schools back then, um, but I see that now. Um, but it was said that once that eagle touched the moon, things would change. So you know, '69, they didn't say Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin touched down. They didn't say Apollo mission or Saturn. They said the eagle has landed. So since that time, there's been an absolute awakening um, for our people, definitely, um, definitely for our, our Anishinaabe people. And um, another prophecy was the children of that eighth fire, those ones that were going to be stepping forward to move things in that good way. And so for us as First Nations people, our leaders are those babies, those ones that they buried in there. You know, our Albert Einsteins, you know, our Elon, our Elon Musks, our... Um, right. Yep. You know, they're the ones that are there. Our Mozarts, they're buried there. So, you know, they didn't get it. They didn't get a chance. They didn't get a chance. You know, and we talk about the Jewish Holocaust, and that was horrible. Six million people. There was 500 million First Nations people here. And there's only 50 million here. This is, is, is ridiculous. It's just. It's a genocide. It's genocide. Yeah. It is. And they can't deny it no more. You know, having tied. Um, Marie Sinclair's hands by him having to call it cultural genocide um, is still genocide, you know, and that's that's what we're living through. Yeah, you yeah, know, there's more kids. There's more kids in care now than we're in, that we're in residential school, which is another atrocity. It has to stop within itself because our babies are dying in the foster care system. They are. No one cares. No one. Yeah, yeah, and this this needs to be. The awareness that's grown right now is that this did not end with the closing of the la of the last residential school that it no. continues it's evolved evolved is not the right word because i like to think the word evolve it involves uh somehow going through a higher going to something better going to something improving this is not an evolution this is this is well, it's an uh, evolution of evil is what it is yeah. So, you know, it is an evolution, but it's an evolution of evil and what they're doing with the kids and, and this mandate. Um, but it's all going to change. It has to. I have to believe that it is. Otherwise, you know, I may as well just run my head into a, a brick wall for the next hour. You know, I know it'll change because of the people that I met when I walked across the country, you know, those two, three times. Um We as humanity have the ability to see each other better, and I know that we are. Um, and that's where this reconciliation, I like to call it reconciliation, because reconciliation is a word that we don't have in our language. Right. And um, we definitely need action um, in, in, in this. And that it, it takes both of us to walk yeah. this. Yeah. But it takes the other half to say, yeah, you know what, we're really sorry. And the number of kids that are going to be found are going to—it's—it's going to be oh. astronomically horrible. Right. Um, we're looking. Yeah, it already is, and it's getting worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's only going to get worse. And um, yeah, from what I figured and what I had heard and the numbers that I was told, I figured it was closer to twenty to thirty thousand children that have been killed in those schools, and that aren't even the residential schools that are burned down previously to the ones that are built with the red bricks. Those wooden residential schools that were in the numbers as well burned down the vast majority of them. Records, babies, gone. Yeah. 
So candidate, if you really want to look at this, you have to peel back those ugly layers of how that evil evolved and, and bring what you can home. Like, I'm, I'm sick of them. Come, okay, well, let's throw another $10 million. There's another $20 million. But if you're going to do that, just do it at the healing. Give it so that yeah. our, our mm-hmm. elders really get the healing. Because that's the one piece mm-hmm. that I felt that they failed at the, at the commission. But when I walked across the country and heard countless other elders that said, you know, how they felt they, others were opened up in their communities and they weren't able to be closed back up again. Right. And they were taking their lives. You know, like mm-hmm. I was, I went to a community where an elder years, years and years and years, he sobered up, he put his stuff away, went to this, opened it up, told the stories, was promised all this therapy and stuff, never got it, took his life, mm-hmm. responded back to that same community four years later and his eight-year-old granddaughter committed suicide too because she wanted to be with Papa. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When you don't heal, the poison spreads. It must be interrupted. It must be cleaned. It must receive attention and intervention. Yeah. By by everyone. Yes. We have to do this together. As a country, we have to do this together. Yeah. All, all people, all people. Yeah. And, and, and having space, having things like this, um, to hear the stories, hear people talk is, is important. Yeah. Um, and I thank you for the work you both are doing. It's, it seems to me this is, this, this, is, this is nothing. This is required, right? This is, yeah. This is decent humaning is to, is, you know, as you said, you listen, this is your prerogative. I think all of us, this is what, what any human being needs when there has been trauma is a safe place in which to, it's like, you have to pull it out. It has to be, it has to be witnessed in order for there to be a sense of validation, a sense of where is up and down you know verified as we just we've already used the word evil what is evil right Mm -hmm. name it as such Mm -hmm. something that i was thinking of when you were um talking about um our uh foster system i don't like that word right now because fostering is meant to be a kind of like a mentoring and that's not what it is right now. Hmm. Um, I was thinking about residential schools and foster care system, both of them, when, when this, when the residential schools were in operation and were initiated and continued. And now with foster care system, there's a sense of justice and duty. Hmm. That is like, this is the right thing to do for these children. And it's, there's a, there's an evil twist in there. There is an overreaching in there. There is an, um, it is again, that colonial attitude of, I know better than you. That is the door through which this evil walks. Absolutely. Well, you look at 
because those Indian cards that they give us, the status card that we have, um, that's, that says our Indian status, people, oh, you get rights, you get this. No, it actually makes us wards of the state. Therefore, we can't take care of ourselves, can't take care of ourselves, can't take care of your kids. Look at you, you're a mess. Oh, yeah, I know we messed you up. Don't worry about it. Here's $10,000. We're taking your kids. Oh, yeah, now we're going to spend all your money. Now you got nothing. Oh, now you're dead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then these poor kids. Um, these poor kids. Yeah. Yeah. And those kids, the ones that survived are adults. So yeah. those poor adults who are the walking wounded. We just had um, in my neighborhood in East Vancouver, um, yesterday there was a memorial um, for two uh, men who were living oh, yeah. on the street on Carson Drive. Yeah, yeah and they were, they were the most lovely human beings and they also came out of that system and were the walking wounded. Um, and, uh, and they touched all of us. Um, they were part of our neighborhood and part of our community. And I think that's why so many people came together. Um, but we can't ignore what it was that wounded them in the first place. And they are also victims of this, um, even though they made it into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah. yeah. That intergenerational trauma um, affects us all. And I'm lucky enough to have looked at it for myself and dealt with it so that I could be able to help others um, walk through that. Um, because once you have that intergenerational trauma and then something else happens to you, and you got more trauma. And all of a sudden, you get all these traumas and it becomes a complex trauma. And one of those, um, which gets stuck in our body, which then festers the illnesses that, you know, that manifest from, you know, sticking down your words and sticking down your emotions and pushing this down and, don't feel this and don't, 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 you know, and um, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it leaves us speechless. It, it's, I, yeah. it's like, where do you, where do you start? And, and, and even as you said, when you start, you must continue. So yeah. the opening up, the the releasing of the stories. I mean, the whole the whole aspect of of our humanness that we compartmentalize and we shove something way in the back because it's impossible for us to actually process it. It is mm. so beyond. There's no way to understand it because can you understand evil? It, 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 there is not a humanity involved in that. And so it cannot be processed in a sense of, oh, okay, I understand now. And now it sort of fits into boxes and I can go ahead. So we've those who have been through so much horror have managed to, it's like the, the, the pearl you want that's grain of sand or whatever you got a it's locked way inside you open it up and if, and now without the support systems which must be significant there must be significant intervention for supports and not and not white people support <laughs> not I, I don't mean not support from from settlers i mean not western therapy necessarily yeah. right and i think that the, there are beautiful counselors out there that are beginning to understand 
and you have places like the Indian uh, Residential School Society and places like Southern Lalem, uh, the National um, Residential School um, Crisis Line, um, that that have First Nations people that are able to listen. You know, that, that they will go into community. Like when I was with Southern Lalem, we went into countless communities, and it's it takes sometimes twenty of us to go in there to, to work. To help, to help a little bit. Yeah, you know, and they yeah, feel yeah. like they get all this help, but we still feel like it's just a drop. But they feel better at least. Right. You know? it's, yeah. it's through ceremony. Like when I was at the training, and they were telling us, you know, um, um, when I was doing my council training, First Nations Health Authority. We went to this whole thing with Vanderpump Theory, complex trauma. Trauma enters our ears, our eyes first as we're young. Um, having our our our, our safety taken away with our parents going to the residential schools, not knowing what love was, not knowing how to have that safe space because of the sexual abuse, the violence that they were, were um, because of the sexual abuse and the violence that they were, that they were um, experiencing. Um, they weren't able to provide those, the, that, that safe space. Um, now, when we, I know that through our, our ceremony, when we do smudging, we smudge the ears and the eyes first. No one had to tell us that. No one had to say that this was what happened because of this this knowledge in this way and that's truly so yeah it's like that that inherent knowledge that we've had and it's just using that again um to heal our people you know at the when we were at a couple of the hearings my wife and i were in when we were in vancouver or here in victoria and the people would someone going to trauma and all of a sudden all the counselors put up a circle around them and all of a sudden the person's closed in closet phobic and they're standing over in a very menacing way it's like Everybody take 10 steps back and take a breath, like give this person space. And now to be able to go on and say, hey, look, we're coming in and they're like, okay, yeah, we're stepping back. You guys know what you're doing. Um, thank you for coming to help, whatever the situation might be. Yeah. You know, and that's the power of, of our ceremonies and of, yeah. of the medicines that we carry. And the power of listening and trusting that people know how to create their healing path when invited to do so. And to hold space for people to do that in. James, I have a question for you. How did you know that your um, role could be as a keeper of knowledge? Is that the right term I'm using? As a knowledge keeper? I I didn't even know I was a knowledge keeper. I just knew that um, when I was young, I loved going out into the woods and into the into the rice paddies and out on the lake listening to all my aunties and uncles tell me those stories not even realizing that you know until i got into university that yeah we did have the freedom of religious act in 1951-52 um but it still didn't protect our first people here we were still being arrested for potlatchin and all those other you know our sun dances those things that we did um our birch bark squirrels nationality birch bark squirrels were being were being collected and burned um but after I was struck by lightning as a baby and survived, and I those, had those people in my community just come and tell me stories. I didn't know that. I, I had no way. I figured everyone grew up like this. Until I got into university when people are, and um, just sharing the knowledge I, I carry, sharing the stories that I knew. You know, someone says, oh, I heard this story. This story. I was like, oh, well, my grandpa told me this. And they tell him like a corona, or, you know, like more of the story. They go, oh, my God, I'm never, I can't believe that, right? Oh. That's so nice. Oh, well, here's, this is what this plant's good for. This is what this is good for. This is what, you know, you can use this for this. Um, this is the time of the seasons that we do this. This is the time of the year that we do this. Um, 
And it wasn't, you know, people have since then, like, you know, lots of different titles. You know, I've even been, been called elder. And I'm like, uh, thank you for all the titles. It's that's a responsibility I'll live up to one day, but I just got I just gotta be me right now and carry those things. And it's the the community that says, you know, you're a knowledge keeper, you're this, you're that. But I just I know a few things that that I, I share and didn't realize that how lucky I was until later in years. Knowing that prior to 1982, my grand, I could have been taken away. If they would have caught my grandpa or anybody doing what they were doing, I would have been taken away. They would have been put in jail. It's like, yeah, for telling me a turtle island creation story, for telling me the, the, the 13 moons in 28 days by looking at being able to read a turtle the same way someone can read a book. Wow. You know? Yeah. And it is an oral tradition, right? I mean, that I think that's that's another big that... colonial mis misconception. Another because you know, then then they can be less than. But no, like we have our petrical teachings, and like I was saying, we had our birch bark scrolls. They tried uh, erasing right. all that stuff, but no, like okay. you have to write stuff. That's it's it's on the rocks. It's it's in the trees. It's on the bark. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's never too late to to get back on track. You know, I think things just went sideways after this corporation that's known as Colonial Canada um, came into effect. Um, a lot of those early treaties, the the wampum belts and things that we entered in agreements with the with the crown, are still held up in court when they fight us over these things. Um, when it comes to land and and hunting and fishing rights and things like that, these are all things that that we fought for and that we understood back in the day. Um, I was lucky enough to see the picture that is known as Treaty 4 and the misinterpretation that happened when he's like, well, what do we have? And the chief took the grass and we can have this. And it's just because that's all we can own. It's just the top part of the grass because Mother Earth owns everything else. Like, how can you think you can own this? Like, yeah. she owns yeah. us, you know, yeah. like we take care of her and that, that's that's the way it is. But yet they still thought, oh, well, that means that we can have all these lands with all this land is. It's yeah. like, no, we don't even own that. No one owns that. Yeah. But you can live with it. If you live, if you look at this story for what it ta tells about, it talks about how we can live together, how you can learn how we've lived here and yeah. you can live here together. And then we can learn how to live here together with however this new age was going to happen. You know, because when it goes back to when my grandpa had said, uh, well, when the prophecy said that the eagle would touch the moon, those children of the eighth fire would start coming forward to start leading that way. So when I was struck by lightning and survived as a baby, they're like, oh, well, obviously this one's going to carry these stories. And who knows, maybe it could have been, I would have been a great cook, but they said they wanted me to be a storyteller. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, but it's, it's learning that all of us are children of the eighth fire. And we're all going to make that choice. And that's where we are. People think where the fork in the road was, the fork in the road is, is kind of big. So there's a lot of things that we have to really work at together. And yeah, some of them aren't going to listen. Some of them go down there and they're still going to want the pipelines and want all these things. And it's, it's, it's unsustainable. It's not going to move forward. But those other ones that are getting back to those stories, they're getting back to this way, getting back to that knowledge. That, oh, oh, you guys did take care of yourselves like this. Oh, this is a really good mess. And oh, they're, you know, I can give you a medicine and it's going to hopefully um, make you feel better. If you take something from the store, you're more than likely going to grow a third year or have your fingernails fall off, then it's going to help you.
It's like, oh, if you like breathing, you might not want to take this medication. But I would never <laughs> give you something like that, you know. Um, and that's just because Creator has given us everything to heal ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, in in the woods, in the mountains, and yeah. by the by the waters, you know, which is a really big important why we need to make sure that we're fighting for clean water. Because if our water gets sick, the medicines get sick. If the medicine gets sick, then we're finished. Right. Yes. Yeah. And water doesn't know any boundaries or any no. politics, right? No. It's, it affects all of us on the entire planet. This reminds me, uh, I believe I had connected with you to talk about this in the past when mm. I had uh, done one of my trips up into Nunavut. Mm. Uh, and I received a, a request for assistance, not necessarily from me, but to pass the word forward, assistance for their elders who had mm. been in residential schools, who were still, who had survived, but of course, bearing the, the, the wounds and the scars that were still creating so much havoc for their life as seniors, as elders. And a re the request was that there be money and time and talent and effort put into creating healing work for them centered on the land. Mm. Uh, I remember this now because of you, you describing the medicine of the right. land mm -hmm. and how this is something I have heard so many times from friends and acquaintances, indigenous mm. friends and acquaintances that their healing commenced, their healing progressed via the land. This, I bring it up because it's a paradigm that, that settler minds, colonial minds don't, we don't think that way. And, and yet we should, I think it would be very helpful if we did because we're disconnected from our lands. <laughs> <laughs> we are and even and that happened that disconnect happened a long time ago there's even part of if i was to go into our, our prophecies and stories um it's really quite quite in depth because it talks about if you look at the the, the medicine wheel the four the four colors of the medicine wheel um three of those colors three of those colors um, still have their pipes, still have their drums, still have their stories. But one nation doesn't. Mm. One nation took their wheel, turned it sideways, said, look how fast I can go. Look at all these things I can do. Then instead of reading their wheel, they started forgetting. All of a sudden, they picked up a book. A book that had some really great ideas and some really good, um, good concepts, but lacked really how, how do you be good to your neighbor? Yeah. How do you how do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? Yeah. You know, and it isn't about, oh, I love you now. I don't like you now. Oh, I better go pray on a Sunday. They they messed it up. Oh yeah. Um, but grandpa said that they would all come back. There's a time where they'd all come back to Turtle Island to be a time when everyone joined here. Because what everyone's going now with the history is the history is so wrong. Everyone thinks that we broke up tens or millions of years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago to the time that we split up. When we split up for this reason, we stopped listening to each other. Yeah. 
but there'd be a time because we still stayed on the back of the turtle. The turtle allowed us to be here. And if you look at uh, a picture of the North America, the United States through Canada, it looks like a giant twi turtle swimming in the ocean. It does. How do we know that? We didn't have helicopters or rocket ships to see that. Yeah. We call yeah. this turtle island. So grandpa said there'd be a time when everyone would come here and that's where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And then it was everybody's responsibility to help that nation remember who they are. And that's where we're at, that hard part, that, of, that uncomfortable third and fourth steps, helping them reclaim the ugliness, helping them reclaim the goodness through the ugliness that happened. Right, yeah. It's a lot to think about, right? And yeah. and not just think about, but you know, I, I keep wanting to put my hand on my heart as you say this because it's the it's it's the heart that's going to get us through this, not the head. Um, it's feeling well, the head it. kind of, you, need, you kind of need the head for the heart too, because you need the ears. But but you gotta the, the connection that you're talking about, where we take care of one another. Oh yes. Exactly. We feel this in the heart, right? And I think that the cultures around the world, um, the paradigms around the world, have have moved away from the valuing of the heart um, and that kind of knowing, and mm -hmm. and up into the head. And and I don't think either of them can function alone. They no. they need to come together, right? And that's mm -hmm. it, it's inherent in bringing those um, those four colors back together and mm -hmm. having us knit everything back in so that we can respect one another. Absolutely. And Absolutely. respect the differences, right? Because mm -hmm. we're not all the same. But nope. if we were all the same, we wouldn't be as strong, right? Just we need the... If we're all the same, who's going to be working in the hospitals? Who's going to be at the library? Who's going to be, you know, doing those other things? So we definitely, you know, need to come together and celebrate those things that make our community that will help make our community become yeah. what it's always supposed to have been. Yeah. yeah. James, where, where do you see, where do you see the hope shining from right now? Uh, you know, that little girl um, that had the uh, ribbon skirt. Yeah. A blue cart right yeah. there. Yeah. I had, uh, um, Autumn Pelche. Yeah. Takaya Blaney. That's where the hope is. My son, my daughter, yeah. who's um working um, with emergency management BC to help them try and fix their horrible relationships with the First Nations people out here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something she's took upon herself to to do, and I'm so proud of my my girl. Um I see the hope in the 35,000 kids that I've already taught here in school district 61 and the mm -hmm. countless others that I've seen that I've talked, that's talked to me, that's shared with me. Um, this one little boy, he was in grade, this is, there was this one little boy and uh, I think he was in grade two in Quadra. And I just finished our turtle island creation story and he was excited and I could see he was just bouncing and he's just like, oh, and he comes up to me, he says, Mr. Taylor, I did not understand a word of your story, but I know that when I get older, it's going to mean a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's wise, right? Because we don't always understand something the first time we hear it. Or And I, and I call that planting the seeds, right? Mm. You plant the seeds, someone's going to water it. It might not be you. You may just be the planter of the seed. 
Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Like when we come to like the stories and things I share too, it's like we have to hear them so much. Like it's, I hear too many times, like there's too many times I've met people that I need a titler because they're lacking stuff within our traumatic lives that we have. So they'll, you know, be running First Nation circles, pawning off trauma as culture. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This takes like years, years to to learn. You can't just hear a story once and get off there. Like Graham said, you have to hear a story four times before you can truly understand it. Then you hear another seven times before you can tell it. Then you hear another 13 times living that way before you can truly get out there to have that know exactly where it fits in your life. So you're looking at hearing some stories 30, 40, 50 times. And I realize now, oh, geez, yeah. Because I look at these little kids that have learned these stories for the first five years prior to pandemic and seen how they grew. And I was like, I don't know, you know, every school is like, I don't know how you can come in here. Like our school is different now. Like, you know, they, there's buddy benches put up in, in the schools. They said, we did that because of you saying we need to take care of each other. And the kids are starting to take care of each other in the schools, which was incredible. And they're like, you did this. You, like, I've done nothing. Like you all did that work. You took that all, you know, I'm, I'm not going to own any of it, you know, um, but I'm grateful that they think, or I'm grateful that the stories that my grandpa told me help them get to where they need to be. Right. And that's where the power of who we've been for tens of thousands of years, you know. James, is there any story that's been standing out to you these days that you feel is an important one to be told now? Whether you have time to tell it right now or not, it just... Oh, no, there's definitely some stories that, I, that I've been sharing, even with... Um, uh, around some of the songs that, that I, that I share those, those, those old teachings that come from the old ones, you know? Um, yeah, nothing that we could, well, here, and what I am going to do, I'm going to see if I can get this. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. This song is an old residential school song. Um, I used to know it as Wildflower. That's all I knew about it. And it wasn't until I walked across the country with the grandmas and said, oh, when I heard one of the grandmas, she's like, oh, so I grabbed my drum and I started kicking it out with her. She's like, um, she's like oh, she said, you know our song? I was like, oh, it's your song. I said, I, I, I didn't know. She's like, no, it's our, our people. And so she said that it was um, little ones in her community had stood up and said what was going on at those schools long before it was ever brought to the public eye. And so those elders knew um, they had to protect the kids. They knew the only way to protect the kids was to tell the black robes that the children had died from disease and all these things and that um, they were successful in what they were trying to do. Uh, because those little ones listened to grandma and grandpa, when the black robes would come, the scouts would say, okay, and all the kids would run and hide, run into the woods and they'd hide because the robes were always too scared to go in there by themselves to go look for them. So they'd ask the, the community, where were all the children? They said, well, all the children are dead. All the children are dead. They're, they're, they've died now. Um, so he'd wait there for two weeks, three weeks, whatever. And those kids would, would be in the, in the woods, like those little wildflowers. They were able to survive because they knew what to eat, you know, to build their shelter. They wouldn't be out there the whole time by themselves. Like I'm sure an auntie or an uncle would have snuck off to make sure everyone was okay, but they took care of themselves. So then when it become time to, to leave, 
the grandma would start singing this song. And it's a call and response song. So people in the community would start hearing grandma what she was singing. So eventually the community would come out joining her um, to sing the black robe away. Huh. They'd go, oh, what are you doing? You know, but it was, they go, we're honoring you. So, you know, with their own ego, okay. And they'd let them do this. <laughs> now, after they were singing the song, um, they'd start to get quiet and they'd listen. Because the kids knew that once they heard the song, that it was safe to come home, that it was okay, that they'd be there. Um, that grandma and grandpa and mom and dad would be there. So um, <clears throat> this is the song. They'd sing that song, and the more kids would come out of the woods knowing it was safe to be home again, but no one was coming to take them, the song would get louder. Mm-hmm. From what I was told, none of those babies died. They came home. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the ones that went to their schools didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And what those children learned in the woods around survival and being 
uh, one with mother nature and all of that is is uh, in many ways worth more than the education they would have got going to the schools. Well, they only were able to survive out there because they already knew the education was given to them by the grandmas and grandpas. That's why, why I said they, they listened to grandma and grandpa and auntie and uncle, so they knew how to take care of themselves. That's that's yeah. that 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 way of life because yeah. you know there's when I when I go into a school and I'm teaching, I was like I I can't you can't grade me on who I am. This <laughs> this things you you see yeah. here and my bundle these these aren't these aren't items these aren't you know these aren't things that are this is my way this is me this is my way of life this is my bemo bemod's way you know and that's what I want for everyone to have their own so that once we do have that we respect each other more I think right you know? yeah. yeah yeah I'm I'm thinking that, that as as you as you say what this song means that it has huge implications for um for your for your peoples and for what we're trying to do on the planet right now which is mm -hmm. make it safe for all of us to come home mm -hmm. and coming home is as much coming home into that sacred part of who you are which you just mentioned but also coming home to um to our to all of our lands um, and and what that means and coming home to um, peace and respect and responsibility and um, somebody said the other day that um, that without responsibility freedom doesn't mean anything right mm. that they that they have to go together absolutely the, you know it's yeah. like everyone for us as First Nations people um, those that are living a traditional life I feel that you know those ones well as traditions we can you know here's my leaf jersey and or my leaf t-shirt and you know um yeah i'm always going to wear that and let me let me tell you um but <laughs> um those of us that um people are, are wrapped up in you know it's my right to protest it's my right to do this it's my right to do that how about responsibility it's your responsibility to look after the environment it's your responsibility to do things it's your responsibility to look after yourself it's your responsibility to look after your household when we look at those responsibilities or obligations that we have then there's no rights and if we live those responsibilities, then we don't need those rights because we're living that way of life. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that includes respect for everybody's freedom. Absolutely. Collectively. Yeah. Absolutely. James, what do you think the next few, like the next, I don't know, I want to say weeks, but months, what, what do you think is coming next? What do you expect both for your community for this nation what's coming next is um it's hard to say the pain is coming next or that there's there's more numbers of children coming next because we know that's all happening i right. think what's coming next is the um the collective of the nation of the non-indigenous but the the settler nation are because there's other ones out there, these perceived allies that, you know, will go up there and say, oh, we're going to take down this Sir John A. Macdonald statue and it's a native led thing. And there's no native people in there. <laughs> and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm being called the dirty and you know, the wagon burner, all these other ridiculous, you know, low dog on a totem pole, like all these ridiculous racial things that happen because an ally decided he wanted to do something for the natives. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I'm hoping that the collective will actually wake up and see and provide spaces, provide safe spaces and, and allow themselves to learn from those mistakes that they've already made trying to be an ally. Right. And if, if you don't want to acknowledge the mistakes you've already made trying to be an ally, you're not going to be an ally. Um, because whether you're an ally or non-Indigenous or no, I am Indigenous person, um, <laughs> I'll own my mistakes. Yeah. When I fuck up, I'm the first one to say, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. How, we, how can I help you? How are we going to change this so that this doesn't happen again? Yeah. And I've only learned to do that because of my wife and our relationship and the things that we set forth. Hey, this is how we're going to do it. If we're going to make it, we got to be able to talk about things that we don't want to talk about. We got to be able to give each other space to say, you know what? I'm angry. I don't know why I'm angry. I know that I'm mad and just be in it. You're not going to stay there, but feel it, deal with it, move it through, mm-hmm. rub some feet, rub on the back, maybe a Reiki treatment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's so important, right? That I'm sorry. And what can we do about it so that it doesn't happen again, right? Absolutely. They have to go together because otherwise they, there's, they're meaningless. Yeah. And no more good first steps. We've already taken the first steps. Get in the third, fourth, fifth ones that were, I've, I've already walked. You know, this last school, this private school that I'm in, they're like, you know, they were coming like, we feel really uncomfortable saying this and this. I'm like, good. And they're like, what? I'm like, you should. I said, that means you're getting forward. You're past the good first step. You're in yeah. an ugly third or fourth. I said, yeah. ask the questions. That's how you know. That's why I'm here. You know, that's, yeah. 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 That's what needs to be done. Yeah. And I hope that's what gets done. Yeah. We, we would like to, uh, we've already told you this. We've reached out to several um, family and friends and acquaintances, uh, Indigenous folk that Luca and I are connected to. We would like it to spread. We would like the word to spread that we are, uh, we would like to seed our time as often as there are voices that would like to come and use that space to share forward whatever message they would like to do so. So this is the, this is a start. (laughs) It is not only for Indigenous Month. (laughs) We would like this to be out into the future. Thank you, James, so much for coming to share what is real and true for you right now and to um, give us your insights to share from your heart, to share from your experience, to share from your hopes. And um, we look forward to the next time that we have you on as well. I'm looking forward to it as well. Is there is I, there another walk in your future, James? Are you are you looking I, I to that and planning for it? I, I don't want to say right now. I actually I was supposed to walk um for my fourth and final time across the country last year, but the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Well there was I had an incident um about a month before the pandemic. And um <sighs> so I wasn't able to to get out to do what I wanted to do, but um I'm thinking I would like to do a small walk um, from Kamloops back to here. Um, Neat. Yeah. yeah, but I'll have to see. It really depends on what my wife says. Cause I know that we're um, now that we're vaccinated. I know for the month of August, we're in Alberta with different organizations, cultural competency, um, some healing work with some of the communities, um, some healing with a couple of the organizations. Um, so yeah, our, our August is pretty busy, but if I can, I think I can walk from Kamloops. I think it's like seven or eight days. It's not very long. 
Yeah. It's all relative, right? Compared to going relative. to Ottawa, it's a short trip. <laughs> yeah, that's that my concept of a distance and everything is, is really weird. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we'd love it's, to hear about it when when you're ready to do that. Like, definitely, and I'll, yeah. I'll let I'll let Rebecca know, and she'll uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get it out there. Absolutely, <laughs> it was lovely to see you again, James. It's a, it's a great pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. And until next time, we wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Oh, ah, 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 ah. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo